Right, sure, this is it's a full service, but if we can just forget about everything that happened, uh, well, not that we forget about it, but um, it, we need to focus because we are finishing up a series today, and we've been um, doing a series called Closer, which is a worship series, helping us understand what worship is all about, and we've had an amazing three weeks, and uh, the first week, just to remind us, if you are just joining us today, so we like to teach in series over three, four, five, six weeks. Um, and uh, the first week we looked at, well, what does God really want from us? And, and I spoke about how we all worship something. Do you remember that? We, all of us, we worship something. We give our attention to something. We, we give our love and affection to something. It can be uh, to a relationship. It can be to cars, um, Roger Gregg. It can be to sports, music, uh, to your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, or whatever it is. We all, and there's nothing wrong with that. But worship is a response to what we value the most. So we end up worshiping something to what we value the most. Now, God doesn't mind that we have things that we, that we love. He just says, let no other God be before me or above me. And remember, the end of first week, we looked at the exchange that happens, and we often exchange things for our number one worship. So what's at the top of the list is the question that I asked you. And often we have other things besides God at the top of the list with, that, with our worship. So week one was what God really wants from us. He, he just wants to be number one in our life. Week two, my mom spoke. I caught some of it online uh, over from the UK. And, and she, she looked at the, the topic of, that we made to worship. And she spoke a lot about Lucifer because uh, it's important to understand what his role was. He, he was the angel of worship. And God actually created us as his people to, to, to replace that what was lost, what was taken away, and that we were made. We, we actually can't stop. We can't help ourselves. We, we generally just express love and worship. If you, you go to a rock concert, a sports event, you'll just see people naturally throw up hands. It's this natural thing that happens when you want to just thank someone or greet someone or hug someone. We throw out our hands. It's a natural response. We were made to worship. And then last week, Colin uh, spoke, which was just fantastic. I heard so many good testimonies as well, is, is turn your worry uh, into worship. And we, we looked at the anxiousness that we often experience and how we need to flip that and we need to worship. I'm a big, big mouse. I'll go march. I can't believe you still <laughs> sing that song when you're afraid. I'd actually totally forgotten about that song. Uh, I, I forgot it when, from when I was three, but you're still singing it. Huh? Um, and that was last week. So this whole series, though, has been a build to, to capital this week. And when I say the word church to you or church service or worship service, there, there'll be certain things that come to mind. And I think our church, particularly, our mindset might have been reshaped a little bit because hopefully we enjoy our type of service and our type of church. It's a little bit more alive potentially than some of the services that you grew up on. But if you ask the world, just general people, people that I come across all the time, I mean, this last week I was in the UK and two of the guys that were involved in the project aren't really churchgoers or, you know, they, they got no idea of what I explained to them and I showed them some of the stuff they were doing and their mouths were just like in between swear words, like just dropped. They were just couldn't believe like what type, they couldn't even understand why we're even creating music the way we do, you know. But when I mention that to a lot of people, they have a certain mindset of what church is. So we shaped by our culture, our background. So if I mention the word worship or praise to you, if you grew up in a traditional background, it, it could be standing with a hymn book singing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You can worship singing with a hymn book, and, you know, but 
attached to that, potentially maybe, oh, long, boring services, maybe. I remember the, the, the priest, they would put it up saying we're going to sing, you know, hymn 142, and you look, op- open the hymn book, and there were nine verses with a chorus, and you were like, oh, it's going to be a long song. And then he would say, we're going to skip verses three, four, and eight, and you were like, yes. Do you remember that? Anyone? There's only like four honest people at church. Um, but that, that's what maybe comes to mind when I mention the word worship. But can I just tell you this? If there's anything negative that comes to mind, anything boring or potentially traditional is not the way the Bible describes it. It's the exact opposite, if you want to know the truth. And God wants to mess with your traditional thinking today. Maybe you're new to our church, and maybe he's already messed with your traditional thinking by coming to this church. He messed with mine many, many years ago, because we grew up in a, a very traditional environment. And I remember when we first got exposed to you know, the Spirit of God, and I was still at school back then, and uh, lively songs. I remember coming to uh, City of Life, conferences and, ch- and they were like it was crazy it was like a party it's like what the heck is going on here and I want to mess with your traditional thinking is that okay because pastors are there just to irritate you a little bit what do you think we had to like just nudge you a bit mess with your thinking and I want to start off with a story to help us understand where we're going this happened on Palm Sunday which is uh, the Sunday before traditionally Easter, before Jesus died. And Jesus was really popular on that particular Sunday. He, he rode a, a donkey into town, and as he was coming into Jerusalem, and people went nuts. It, it was, I know South Africans aren't really used to parades, but if you go over to the US, we've been to a, like a parade before. I mean, in, in New York, they have that Macy's parade, and it's like I mean, they go all out. I mean, they dress up. They have a full band. They've got singers, dancers. It's just crazy. Americans just love to celebrate things. And I don't know if any of you have been to a parade before. I know back in the day, some of the bullies here would have been to parades, but you just don't have them anymore, right? Normally, our parades are just people shouting with sticks, you know? It's like, um, it's, it's, it's a little different to the way that, you know, a traditional parade would operate. But this was a parade, And the way that they celebrated uh, in those days, they would pick up like palm branches and they would either wave them in the air or they would lay them on the ground like as a red carpet because they didn't have red carpets. And uh, you know, the way we have them. And and they literally laid this carpet out with palm branches for Jesus as he came in and they were celebrating, they were singing, they were dancing. And let's pick up the story. And we're gonna look at today is how do we worship God's way? Because I think that's important. We don't worship our way. I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday and we were having this discussion and he said, yeah, but I think this. I said, but is that what you think or what God thinks? Because <laughs> it's very different. You can have your own opinions about things, but you need to look at the word of God. What does God say? What's his opinion? Because just a suggestion, I think you want to do things God's way as opposed to your own way. So pick the story up in Luke 19 verse 37. It'll be up on the screens and it says this. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, I just desperate to get to to, uh, Israel. Uh, We had a a trip planned a few years ago, but it was canceled. But we're talking about it again, maybe next year. Anyone keen? Just, I think the stories will come alive. But uh, apparently you come over this, this mountain, you come down towards Jerusalem. It says the whole crowd of the disciples began 
a crowd began to joyfully praise God. So picture the scene. This is not like the, the joyfully praising God. In loud voices, not soft voices, loud voices, for all the miracles they had seen, they were just so excited that this man Jesus, they had heard, they had seen, and they were just celebrating him. And they were singing, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You would have heard that at carol services or you know, on Palm Sunday back in the day in the traditional services. And we, we're so used to hearing these words, but we, we don't have, give context to it. I mean, they were shouting this, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were shouting, they were singing. Now listen to this, because this is actually a picture of not necessarily just how to define worship looks like, but also rather how tradition tells you it needs to look like. Because some of the Pharisees in the crowd, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, the ones that always looked down with their little noses and, well, their long noses sometimes, and, and, um, and just always scorning and mocking. And they were saying this, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. This is, this is not on, this is not kosher, this is not right. They can't be shouting and singing and dancing. And Jesus says this, and you can see, he's like, I, I like this. He says, I'll tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, some, someone else will do it. And he even goes as far as to say the stones. Some versions say the rocks will cry out. I mean, obviously, we're going, that's not possible. I mean, a rock is the most firmest, immovable thing. It doesn't have a mouth on it. But he's, he's giving it figuratively uh, that, that even the rocks will cry out. The stones will sing out. And you can see Jesus confirming that this is the type of worship that he enjoys. And I don't know what it is, but even parents, we, and, and I, I understand this because, you know, we, we've got kids, but we're always telling them to keep quiet, you know, just shh. I just remember my, my grandpa, my dad's dad, he hated noise. And if ever we got excited around, I don't go, shh, just, maybe it hurts your ears the older you get, I don't know. Um, but there's this culture of, no, no, just, just calm down. We, we're so good at saying that, just relax, just and we get all religious, particularly when it comes to church environments. You know, you go to these, I mean, I went to the most beautiful cathedral in here. There was no one shouting and dancing and singing in this place. In fact, it was, I remember going to the Sistine Chapel once. And the whole time, they've got security guards there. They go, shh. You're not allowed to talk. You're not even allowed to whisper. Shh. The whole time, they're just going, shh. It's this. And I get there needs to be quiet and there needs to be reverence. But we... We've been told by culture just to, shh, to keep quiet. And unfortunately, Sunday services are meant to look like Saturday. And what I mean by Saturday is when we celebrated the Springboks winning last night, right? Or being at the stadium. Sorry, was that a British supporter here, England supporter? I don't know. <laughs> that was one of those nervous laughs. <laughs> I'm kidding. And often tradition defines worship. And there will always be this group of people telling you to calm down. Not like that. Let, let's just quieten down. Let's, let's, let's not, none of that here. I remember when we built this building, there was no cross on it. And people were like, it's not a church because it doesn't have a cross. 
Well, we finally put up a cross, so now we're Christians, okay? And no, I'm kidding. But seriously, it's like, often these things try and define us, but, but it's, it's just not biblical. And we learned that God doesn't live in a building. He actually lives in our hearts. Buildings aren't holy. We as people are. So what does it look like? What, what does God's style worship look like? What, what, is, what does he really like? In fact, what is traditional worship? Let me just flip the, the narrative there. What is traditional worship? What is early New Testament, Old Testament worship? What does it look like? And we're so grateful. We've just done uh, the Bible series, um, the, the Holy Bible, and God's given us this book for us to understand how some of these things work. In fact, he gave us 150 chapters to help us understand what worship should look like. And it's the book of songs, uh, Psalms. And it actually, the book of Psalms means songs of worship. They're songs. I, I can't wait to one day hear some of the tunes because I think David's gonna, first of all, maybe just have some copyright uh, laws on, on all of us. You know, 24 scars, come across here, please. You use this lyric, this one, this one. We've written a song from Psalm uh, 42, which we're so excited about. It's, it's that whole scripture of, as the deer pants for the water, so Michael, my soul longs for you. We're really excited for you to hear that one. Uh, but yeah, we might get in trouble with David one day, who knows, but, um, but I just love to hear the songs. And you see in the Psalms, shouting, cheering, celebration, dancing, music. You see a party. And I remember when we were at Bible college, um, we, we studied worship in this incredible course called Psalmody. Uh, a guy by the name of Tom Ingalls kind of defined it and clarified it. I mean, there are other people that have done teachings on it, but it was fantastic, just helping us understand. And as you know, and as we've looked at in the Holy Bible series, the, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and, and Greek predominantly. And unfortunately, we have a limited understanding often of these words, because remember, there's, we, we have a limited amount of words compared to, to, to the language that, that the Bible was written in. And often, even one word can mean a whole bunch of things. You actually, they, they could write a paragraph describing what one particular word means. And it is unfortunate in many ways, but we're also very grateful that we have it translated into our language, and it's very accurate, as we looked at in the Bible series. But there's Hebrew words help us understand as we look at them what it really means to praise. And I know our worship team are hugely familiar with uh, these seven Hebrew words to praise, and I don't think I've ever fully taught it in church. And I, I just, I know you guys are involved, uh, many of you in worship teams, but I just think for us as a church, we need to understand this stuff. What does God's style worship look like? And I'm gonna give you quickly seven Hebrew words to the word praise. So when we read the word Praise the Lord in the Bible. We sing praise the Lord. In Hebrew, it means one of seven things, just like the word love does. I recently listened to the audio book. I didn't read the book. Apparently, I've got to stop saying that. I didn't read the book. I listened to it. Uh, by C.S. Lewis, Lewis called the four, the four loves. And he explains love. And there's four types. There's filiae love, which is friendship love. There's um, eros, which is the erotic uh, type of love. There's storge, which is, I think, just a, a love cake. Huh? Brotherly love, uh, just, or you can say, I love something. And then you get agape love, which is a godly type of love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to love. The, maybe even the way that you would love your spouse and the way that God loves us. And it, there's four different types of love. Like if I had to come up to, to any of you and say, hey man, I love you. And 
you're not going to get worried. Like, geez, have you shifted your love from gin to me now? What's going on? It's a different type of love. Are you with me? And it's the same as with the word praise. So can I quickly give them to you today? We won't spend a lot of time unpacking them because we just don't have time. But I want you to understand these. And this is what God's style worship looks like. The first one is halal praise, which is uh, interesting where we, we, we get the, the word hallelujah from. The, the yah is, is the God part. Uh, the halal is basically a lifestyle of just foolishly loving God. Just like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm just going to be in love with God. And the actual meaning of halal, are you ready for it? This is going to make you feel a little uncomfortable today, okay? The meaning of halal is to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It's where we get our word clumsy from. It's like, it's like you're almost like a little drunk. It's like, I, you, you don't care. It's like, I'm clamorously foolish. And be joyfully excited about God, to, to act madly. Now, can I, um, not, I don't know, maybe it's scary to some of you guys, but do you know that 70% of the time we read the word praise in the Bible, it refers to halal praise? Let that sink in, 70% of the time. So seven out of 10 times you read the word praise, it refers to halal praise. I think it's important to God that we get joyfully excited about him. And that's why for us as a church, and I think we can even get more excited about God, but that's why people do sing loudly, clap, now you're saying, well, it's not in my nature. It's not my personality. I'm actually quite reserved by nature. Jin's the one that dances on tables. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I should, shouldn't give God this type of praise. It just means it's more of a stretch for me. Does that make sense? Because we should be joyfully excited about God. Here's a, an example and there's many in the Bible, but Psalm 35 says, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all people. It's something that we're not ashamed about. That word praise is halal. I will praise you before people. I don't care. No one cares at the rugby when everyone jumps up, shouts, and screams when the Springboks score a try. You're not looking around going, oh, I wonder what everyone else thinks. It's just because everyone's doing it. But why is it now looked down upon in church? It was like, mm -mm, this is a bit embarrassing. I see the most reserved people. There's this one particular guy that I've told you about. He's this Afrikaans guy from, he's a farmer. I know he's a farmer just by the way he dresses. Um, doesn't matter how, if it's snowing, raining, whatever, he comes in his boxer shorts, slops, and a t-shirt every time. And I've seen that guy on the outside looking the most reserved when he's sitting there, but when, when we score, he goes nuts. And then ooh, he gets angry as well. I've seen him shout at a touch judge as well. Anyway but he gets excited. The second is Yada. Not Yoda, for those of you who watch that movie. This is a lifestyle of thankfulness. Everything from a heart of worship and praise should stem, stem out of a heart of gratitude. You see, if you're not thankful, you can't praise. Because if I just came up to you and said, hey, Scotty, thanks so much, man. You're gonna ask, well, what did I do? Did I miss something? Maybe, you, maybe Francine gave me a gift and you didn't know about it. So you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what deserved that response? And let me tell you something, church. Many of us don't give God a response because we don't know what he did. It's just being honest. We don't understand the cost, what he did for us on the cross. So out of that place, we don't know what God saved us from. That's why we just, we just don't understand. We need to ask God to give us a revelation of what he did for us because there will have to be a response. If our kids get given a gift. We tell them, you, you say thank you. And, and it should be a natural response. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I, 
sat there on the side of that lake just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, because of what he's done. And yadah, the actual meaning, so it's a verb, doing word, friends. And the root meaning is, listen to this, to throw out your hands, to give thanks, to confess, to worship God with extended hand and even in public. There's actually a, a, a picture of this word coming from how they would throw an arrow. It's like, you know, just like, thank you, God. It's this, this, this extension of the hand, this affirmation, like, God, thank you. I think we've done that before, many of us. You just throw out your hands. And maybe even today sitting there, you're going, yeah, but why? But why do we, why do we need to do this? Why do we have to lift our hands? Why do we, well, do we want to do it your way or God's way? God requires it from us. And we have a generation, friends, that are becoming more and more progressive in their thinking, and I'll do it my way. We just need to look at the word and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you require of me? I'm going to do it your way. We need to be intentional with that. And we see this word 111 times in the Bible. It's very important to God. And here in Psalm 138, it says, I will praise you. That word is Yadah. Lord, with all my heart. No one wants a, a thank you note or a thanks. Just thank you so much. Have you ever had that before from someone? It's not nice. I will praise you with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will Yadah you. And it's just gratitude, really, for everything that God is and does. Just because God is God, we should be grateful. The third, and you've got to actually say this with a bit of a, and Afrikaans people won't struggle with it, but shabach, you know, you've got to say it like that, okay? And this is a lifestyle of, of declaration. It's, the meaning is to shout, to address in a loud tone. I'll get to the other meaning of it to speak about, but it means to shout. Many people have said over the years, we don't need to shout in church, God's not deaf. But neither are your kids deaf when you shout at them. Neither are the rugby players deaf when you shout. Neither are the soccer players deaf when you guys have been watching the World Cup. My gosh, what's happening in the World Cup? Hey, just there's some crazy twists of the tail. At least uh, Argentina won last night. But it's to address in a loud tone. We, we happily shout in other areas of our life, but now we can't shout here. Psalm 63 says, because your love is better than life, because your love is better than rugby, it's better than soccer, it's better than a holiday, it's better than anything, it's better than good food, it's better than wine, it's better than all aspects of life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you, I will shabak you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You see Yadah there as well. Isn't that amazing? And then there's another aspect to this word, in the declaring part, speaking about God, is that when we actually speak about God from one person to the next or from generation to the next, we are bringing praise to God. Isn't that amazing? So right now, I'm giving God Shabbat praise. Does that make sense? Because I am taking what's in me and I'm imparting to you and I'm speaking to the next generation. Upstairs in Sky Kids, that is happening right now. And we see an example of it in the Bible. In Psalm 145, it says, one generation shall praise your works to another, shall shabak your praise to another, and shall declare your mighty and remarkable acts. It's like when you pass down stories to your kids or tell Bible stories or just my kids love, you know, growing up all the fun stories from farm days and old days, and we pass those stories down. And it's a form of praise. Isn't it amazing? So when you tell someone about God, you're giving praise to God. Does that make sense? Okay. And then um, just Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all your nation, shout to God with cries of joy. 
it commands us to. Shout. And we're in a culture where it's shh. No, the Bible says shout. It's victory. It's, it should be loud. It should be exciting. And I know some of you complain here yeah, about the loud sound, and we, we, we apologize for that. And it's often when it's loud and it's bad. That's, but we've got better sound system right now, so it can be at a nice volume and, and not actually hurtful in your ears. But God likes loud things. He just does. You look at the, the Bible, it speaks about clashing and of symbols. So if you don't like celebration parties, I don't know if you're going to like heaven. I don't think it's just going to be like painful in our ears the whole time, okay, so please, because I think we have a mindset about that, but it's a celebration. We all like parties. The fourth, are you all still with me? You're getting a bit of a Hebrew lesson here today, is that okay? <laughs> the fourth is Zamar, or, or Zamar, which is, is music and, and, and singing. Notice, it's only one way we can, one way we praise God. We often get so hung up with this whole thing of praise and worship is just some songs, like two fast ones, two slow ones. That's praise and worship. It's, it's a lifestyle. We thank God not only in song, but we thank Him out there in, in all aspects of our life. But this very specifically, the meaning of it is, is making music to God with stringed instruments. So I don't know where the organ crept into things and just stuck there. That's a, that's a wind instrument. It's a beautiful instrument. But you see in the Bible, it talks about strings. And that's why we have guitars. It's stringed instruments accompanied by voice to celebrate in song and, and to make music. There's other aspects, if you look at, uh, at this word in the lexicon, uh, to, to understand the meaning. It actually talks about plucking the strings of an instrument. Not only a harp, but a stringed instrument. And I just think that that's really cool. God likes guitars. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he knew that we were going to play guitars. You know, often we, we look at this whole idea of like electric guitar, you know, ooh, it's out there. But God knew all about that. He, he wants us to praise him that way. That's what Zamar praise is. And it says in Psalm 92, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. And music is so powerful. Is Rich here? Where's Richie? This is your moment quickly. So I, I just want to illustrate how powerful music is. And we often use music here at church and uh, to, to, to help us. It helps us worship. It's not the reason we worship, but it's beautiful. And when we, when we put words to, to music, it just shifts the atmosphere. It changes things. That's why we're recording a new album. We're just so excited to share these songs with you. And as I'm speaking right now, I'm not going to change the way I speak, but just put a pad or something nice behind us. And as I'm talking, it, it all of a sudden just shifts the atmosphere and it starts to change things. Have we got some music? I think we're going to get some music. Is it coming on? There we go. He's doing it nicely. He's fading in so that you don't notice it. It's meant to be a, a seamless thing. Has it faded in yet? No? It's coming. There we go. I can hear it. You can give us some volume. Some more. Can you hear that? Isn't it awesome? My dad used to call it Jaws. But right now, I'm not changing my voice. But all of a sudden, it just starts to shift the atmosphere. It starts to change things. It starts to change the way that you hear something, the way that you perceive something. And God loves music. He loves it. He created, I'm so fascinated by music, harmonies and just how it all puts together. I've always been, I get goosebumps 
when I listen to music. I don't know if any of you do that, but I, I literally do. I get goosebumps. And music is so powerful. It just, I don't know, it just gives glory to God. What do you think? Thank you, Rich. Beautiful. Oh, now all of a sudden I sound boring, eh? See what I'm saying? It says here in Psalm 150, this is the last Psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150 says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. God's not a lyre, a lyre is like a guitar. Praise him with a timbrel and with dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. There's the organ, friends. Um, praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. We won't get Simon up now just to smash those things because he really likes doing that. And then it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing? And it, it can be loud. God has ordained musical instruments for the church. And you see how the enemy, which we heard about a couple of weeks ago, wants to pervert that and use that and change that to give him glory. He's always been about that. And, and music has been so perverted. Uh, you know, when you listen to music nowadays, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, what are they singing about? Just horrific. And God has ordained music instruments for the church. Okay, are you, are you with me? Last, last few. This is a funny one. It's a funny name, Todar which is a lifestyle of sacrifice. And the, the literal meaning of it is to extend the hands in adoration. So it's different to uh, Yadah where we throw out the hands, but this is to extend the hands in adoration. It's, it's actually more about surrender. It's an extension of the hand, um, like in sacrifice, a praise or, or thank offering. You know, we just lift our hands. So that's where it comes from. Maybe you come to church like this and you see someone lift their hand in front of you, like, this is a bit weird. I remember the first time seeing it, you know, and then you start like this, you know, okay, well, let me just give it a go here, then it goes to here, and eventually you're doing like, I don't know, the whole thing, but it's, there's purpose in it. It's a universal sign of surrender. I mean, we see it in movies, right? Hands up. But there's power in lifting hands, and, you know, there's an aspect to this which I absolutely love, this, this idea of sacrifice worship, and we some of us did that this morning because you didn't feel like worshiping. I mean, you know, some of us are already broken by the news of sky and you're like, God, oh, like I don't understand why, but you know what, God, you're still good. I praise you. I thank you. That's sacrificial worship. I don't feel like it, God. Maybe you came in here tired today. You had an argument with your spouse on the way here. I don't know. But God, you're still good. This is this type of praise. And it's also praising God for things we do not yet see. You've got to catch that. I don't yet see the miracle. I don't yet see your provision. I don't yet see the goodness that I'm trusting God for God, but I praise you because you're good. And we praise God for a result we do not yet see. That is that type of praise. It's sacrificial. It costs you something. It's like prayer. When we trust God, I, I, I don't see the miracle, but I'm going to trust you in advance and I'm going to thank you for my healing in Jesus' name. Are you with me? It's like I don't see it on the outside, but God, I'm going to praise you. We lift our hands over our bad marriage. We lift our hands over our business that is struggling. We lift our hands over our country because it needs, it needs that. It's an act of faith. And Psalm 50 says this. I love the way the Amplified puts it. It says, he offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. It's a sacrifice. It's costly. And to him who orders his way rightly, who follows the way that I show him, I shall show the salvation of God. God will come through for you. The six is Barack, and you say it like the American president, well, he was, 
And this is a beautiful aspect of praise, and it's a lifestyle of blessing. The meaning is, is to, to bless God or, by implication, to, to kneel. That's where kneeling comes from. And it became this religious thing, you've got to kneel and pray by, by, beside your bed. You don't have to just pray like that, but you can, and this is where it comes from. When we bow down, when we kneel, and people back in the day were very familiar with this type of um, honor. I mean, when you came into the presence of a king, you would bow down. Sometimes you'd have to lie flat on your face with your forehead touching the ground. I mean, if I had to meet or bump into, it was so funny, the day I left the UK, uh, uh, our president arrived, you know, so I didn't see them. But anyway, but if I had to go meet, you know, the, the king and queen in, in the UK, I think there would be some kind of procedure that I would need to be instructed with how I'm meant to greet them, what am I meant to do, am I meant to bow, am I meant to like, Look, look down or whatever it is, shake hands a certain way. I don't know. Am I allowed to even touch their hands? I, I'm not sure. I'd need to know the procedure. And with this type of praise, it's used 289 times in the Bible. It's a, it's a form of surrender. It's coming before God humbly and bowing down. That's why we do that. So there have been times where I've just felt like in worship just to get on my knees. It's, it's just, it's a physical sign. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of adoration, and the beautiful thing is that we can actually, we don't have to be shameful and not look at God. Because of Jesus, we can have intimacy with God. We can look Him in the eyes, and just out of adoration, we can focus our eyes on Him, but bowing down before Him. And you see this, uh, he has a couple examples in the, in the Word. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name, bow down, barak His holy name. Uh, Psalm 95, come let us bow down and worship. You see some of the, the translations have already kind of helped us understand this word and translated it a bit for us. Bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. But there's another aspect of this word which I really, really enjoy and that is to bless man as a benefit of God. So to help you understand that when someone blesses my children with a gift, I feel blessed because I don't have to buy it myself. No, I'm kidding. But, but it, it, I feel blessed because I, I like to see them happy if they've been blessed. Are you with me? So when we bless someone else with whatever, it can be a gift, it can be kind words, it can be our time, it can be money, whatever it is, when we, God calls us to bless someone, it blesses God. It actually gives God praise. It's Barak praise. God, I'm gonna bless one of your children. And we've got to see it like that, and that is a wonderful privilege to be able to be a blessing. And you, um, you see this in the Bible. It's a blessing to be a blessing. I will bless the Lord at all times, Psalm 34 says. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Barak praise, just being a blessing will always be in my mouth. And then the last one, and this is the funniest one, I think, out of all of them, because uh, it's, it's a word that sounds like something else that some of us drink. It's called tehillah. Um, and the meaning of Tehillah is exuberant singing. It's, it's just living a life of holiness, just outflowing of this life that has been saved, set free by God, that lives holy and pleasing to Him, that we just sing exuberantly to Him. And what's quite funny is that, I said it sounds like tequila, because it says here in Psalm 34 verse one, I will extol the Lord at time. His praise will always be on my lips, not the tequila on your lips, okay? It's God's praise, His Tehila on your lips, okay? And, um, you see this word as well, is, uh, tehillah is also derived, interestingly enough, from halal, the first word I gave you, which is the singing of halals. So we give this clamorously foolish, foolishly in love with God type of praise by singing, specifically singing. It also talks about an unrehearsed song, a spontaneous song. And I think we're gonna do more and more of that. You, know, and you must really come to some of our worship services as well where we give space for that, just to be spontaneous and just to sing. 
And uh, just kind of to close this section, um, you you see three of the words used together in one particular psalm, and it's Psalm 108, verse uh, 1 and 3. It says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, which is Zamar praise, stringed instrument praise, even with my glory. Then it goes on to say, I will praise you, Yada praise, which is the thankfulness praise, Lord among the people, and I will sing praises, Tehillah praise, unto thee among the nations. Isn't it amazing? So you see a lot of them just kind of mixing together. So basically, to sum it all up, and I've got to come into a close, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a little bit more, um, is that worship is love expressed. If it's not expressed, it's not worshiped. We have to express it. All of these are doing words. It's like a love language. You read that book, The Love Language? I, Jin's love language, her main one, is acts of service. I can't just tell her that I'm going to stack the dishwasher. I've actually got to stack it for her to feel loved. It's crazy. That's how she feels, feels loved. Any acts of service people here who feel loved that way? You, you've got to do something, okay? I'm words of affirmation. Um, just a lot of guys are like that. Just tell me I'm amazing even if I'm not, you know? And Jin wrote me a little note, 22 things I love about you, and I won't read them to you, okay? But that, that's, I love that. It, it's expressed. And God also has a love language. He does, and we've seen it today. He loves to be praised that way. So when we stand here with folded arms, and really, if you're new to church or you're new to God, I, I'm totally okay with that. Like, but just could I ask you to start this journey just like you would with a spouse or you know, a relationship, is that you learn to know each other and grow and love each other more. 22 years of marriage, I love Jim more today than I did the day we got married. It's a, it's a journey, it's a growth journey. And can I ask you, in this journey of praise and getting closer to God, as we've looked at the last month, can we take those steps closer to Him? Even if you've never lifted your hand before, just give it a little try. <laughs> promise you no one's watching anyway. We get so full of pride, don't we? Just watch what God does in your heart when we start to express. We, friends, we, we, this pride thing that we have is, is, holds us back, man. We're so hard and, and, and so limiting when we just are closed. But God just wants us to be expressive towards him. And I'll close with this. The most important commandment, when they came to Jesus and they were asking him to, well, what's the most important one, God? Like, out of all of them, what's the most important? And, and he actually gave two But he says this in Mark 12, love the Lord your God, love him, really love him in his love language with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And we've got to love God with all our heart and our soul. And that is expressing our affection towards God. What what does he love most? Think about it. What we love most, we give affection to. What do you love most? Is God on that list? And then we love him with all of our mind. We focus our intention of him. You know, married couples, if you are having a date or you are together, if you're not focused on each other and you're distracted by your phone or other things, you, you don't have that attention, then you feel like a disconnection. And we need to focus our mind on God. God, you're amazing, you're good. And we fix our eyes on him. 
What do you think about most, friends? Because what you think about the most actually shows what you worship the most. Are you thinking about, and I'm saying you can't think about your next holiday and Christmas time and all these wonderful things and food and where I'm going to eat next and a car you want to get, whatever. But what do you think about most? God wants to be at the center of that, what we think about most. God just wants to talk to us. He wants intimacy with us. And then all of our strength, basically, is we give all of our abilities to God, all of our talents, our whole life. What, what, what do you spend most of your time doing? What do you do most of your life? Does it involve God? And as I said to you, Jin's love language is acts of service. I've got to do things. And sometimes it does take a lot of strength, especially on a Sunday, tired. And the kitchen, she hates the kitchen a mess on a Sunday. And I was like, oh, I've got to clean up here. But we've got to do stuff. Love God with all your strength. I can't just tell her I'm thinking about it. I've got to do it. And I'll end with this. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 in the message. It's beautiful. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. And the band are going to come on up now. When you come looking for me, as you take that step closer towards me, as you worship me a little bit more, the word of God says you will find me. And if you haven't found God in, in an incredible way, you, you've got to go looking for him. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, you see there's the praise, above all, when you want it above anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. It's like someone inviting you to something fun. Trust me, you won't be disappointed if you come. If you just come, I promise you it'll be amazing. And that's why we just love people to come to church. It's not the only time we can experience God, but I, I just know that if you come, you're gonna have fun and you're gonna enjoy something. Imagine you missed today. So guys, can we seek God? Can we move towards him? Can we get serious about finding him? And I can guarantee you won't be disappointed. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna end with... Uh, I think two praise songs. We, we, we just heard about it. And some of you are nervous and some are saying, geez, can I just leave right now? No one's looking at you. But if you feel stirred today and go, wow, I, I didn't actually understand it like that. Now I understand why people do some of these things. And I'm not saying you have to go wild today. You can. But I'm not, I, I'd never want anyone to come to church and feel like I'm forcing you to do something. Because if I force you, if, if someone forces me to love Jin, it's not love. And just because someone, if Jin just told me to do something, then it's not love. I, I've, how many spouses you say that? I, I shouldn't have to tell you, I just want you to do it. That's what I want for you. Just, I, I would love for you just to express a little more. And maybe it's just one step closer to God. Could we do that? Is that okay? And if people think we're nuts, and this church is nuts, Nothing new. It's traditional worship. Pharisees spoke about that. Shh, don't know. That's, those people, they, they, they're crazy. They're charismatics. We've got someone already standing. You can stand.